Welcome to another edition of the Coffee Cast with Cation and Ruben, powered by Behind the Racket. Mike Cation joined by Noah Rubin, as always. Noah, uh, you know, we're FaceTiming as we do this podcast, and I got to tell you, you look amazing Thank uh, today you. after going to the Bahamas for a couple of days. I'm glistening. It is it is the after sun glow of wonderful not seeing tennis players for a week feeling. Yeah. I don't know if you've experienced this before. Never. <laughs> Literally never. You have not had a break in ten years. But it you should you should try it out. Um yeah, I was just tired and I was like, I, I need I need a trip to the, you know, somewhere. Somewhere away from a court for a second. So that's what I did. But you, now I'm here. And now I'm uh Grinding to uh, prepare myself for the U.S. Open, which I'm excited for. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But, uh, yeah, more importantly, you just look fantastic. And I I think it's important to tell you that. Um, So everybody can prepare when they see you in U.S. Open uh, time. They'll know. They know. That's why. Yeah, there there has to be a reason behind it because I don't always look this good. The Coffee Cast, of course, is brought to you by New Balance. Vintage and clean looks are coming to New York. Visit newbalance.com to see the latest kits for the U.S. Open. Well, I want to talk a little bit about Ernesto Escobedo as we start here. Um, he has won the U.S. Open wildcard given out by the USTA Pro Circuit um, over a spe- stretch of five weeks. We talked a, a little bit about him just a couple weeks ago after winning a title up in Canada, first title for him in, in almost two years. Um, it's just crazy to think about how far he's come and now to have this you know, incredible reward for himself after a very difficult couple of, of years and now he has something that pays off. You know, fen- uh, tennis favors, you know, a couple good matches in a row, getting that rhythm, you know, feeling the confidence. And we all know very well that Ernesto, when he's feeling it, God, he hits the ball well. And he hits the ball big. And, you know, to a point of, you know, it's tough to return. And, you know, if he gets that confidence going for a couple weeks at a time or a summer, he could be dangerous. So I'm happy for him. It's been, it's definitely been a tough couple years some ups and downs but uh hopefully it continues this way you mentioned it on the behind the racket instagram page just how he was the first guy for you um yes. and he it was his was very bold and striking um as somebody who's around challenger tennis a lot i actually didn't know about his stutter um until you posted that um how have you reached out to him um since he won the wild card and congratulated him i, I know he's very well liked very well regarded yeah, I actually haven't texted him directly yet. Obviously, put it on my page. Um, I've been meaning to. Obviously, I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks for the Open. But, you know, this is somebody who I respect a lot for being one of the first people to open up on my page. It was a, a tremendous statement by him to come out and speak about it and for him to put trust in me like that. And I've always truly liked him as a person um, and always wished him the best. So to see him succeeding now. You know, it's really exciting. And, you know, he, he helped me in my venture. And, you know, I've always wanted to, you know, help him as much as I can and when I can. So I also wanted to give credit to Jan Michael Gamble, who's started working with Ernesto uh, over the last several months. It's amazing how much a coaching change uh, can often spur a little something. And I even reached out to Jan Michael today. And I said I could sense, even though Ernesto lost to Christopher Eubanks in Winnetka, how different Neto was in terms of just happiness, something we talk about a lot. But you could tell that, you know, Jan Michael has really inspired that in him and, and re-sparked a little bit of that, that happiness vibe. And, and nothing against John Michael Gamble as a coach, but sometimes it's less about the coaching and more about the connection. And mm-hmm. if you feel that vibe, if you feel just... 
you know, this fluidity between you and your coach. And I mean, the sky's the limit at that point. Then you're comfortable, then you trust him, and then you go, you know, and you you work for the process rather than, you know, fighting against the wave and the grain. And, and I think that's what we see now. And we see it so often in players, just that new feel and that, and that you know, comfort finally back on the tennis court. And it is, it's a great thing to see. Another good friend of yours, Christy Ahn, won the U.S. Open wildcard on the women's side. Uh, you introduced me to her in uh, Stockton mm-hmm. last year. I believe I watched you and Darian King play Henry Loxanen and Harry Heliovara. <laughs> and it was me and Christy Ahn sitting up in the stands mocking you. And you were mocking us right back from the court. So yes, uh, I, uh, I know she's a good friend of yours. Yeah, I mean, a tr- tremendous congratulations to her. Always liked her sarcasm and the same old, she says, what's up schmuck to me every time I see her. <laughs> and um, yeah, we had a lot of great experiences starting from the challengers in tasmania australia so <laughs> you know for her to be out here you know having the success it's, it's really great to see so the wild cards awarded to uh earned by two great people not only players so it's good to see. and she is a worthwhile follow on twitter instagram whichever you want to follow her on she is she absolutely some worthwhile yes she's a she's a smart one yes uh, you know, she is on well, as we mentioned, you got to spend some time at the Bahamas. Um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about my week off. Um, normally, I would be in Aptos, um, but this is a unique opportunity for me. As, as we've talked about, I'm in Cincinnati right now um, and working for ATP Media, the radio reporter role this week. But more importantly for me, I got to spend time at home with my daughter. Um, and this was her fifth birthday this week, uh, which is a big deal, of course. And so I've been like in Paw Patrol world for the last <laughs> last four or five days. Uh, so, you know, if you need any instruction on Chase and Marshall and the rest of the pups, I'm, I'm your guy. Oh, wow, you um, really know it. Oh, I know it very well, very. yes. Uh, <laughs> it's Right now it's superhero season uh, with the Paw Patrol, so that's a big Reciting deal. Reciting it in your sleep. Gosh. Uh, but also, I, I love it. I want yeah. to preface this with saying your daughter is absolutely adorable, Thank so, God she doesn't look anything like me. I don't know where you got her from. <laughs> <laughs> I, I married very well at the time. Um, no, so she's no. she is. What I wanted to bring up, though, and, and Marnie is uh, the pride and joy for me, um, much like you guys do, um, any of us who are on the circuit, if you will, we miss a lot of these things. Yes. Um, for me, this was the first time I'd actually been able to be with Marnie on her birthday since her first birthday. Um, and I know I'm, I'm trying to make it a more of a priority for me, um, but it's, it's something we don't think too often about for players who are missing out on girlfriend's birthday, parent's birthday, best friend's birthday. Uh, as you get a little older, some kids' birthdays, you might not be able to celebrate with them. And it's, it's tough. It's very challenging. I got a lot of texts this week just like, why, why aren't you an Aptos? <laughs> I'm like, well, I, I've got some things that are pretty damn important to me and, and my kid being number one. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go too deep into this cause I do feel this can be a full discussion for another day. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously though. I think prioritizing is huge for your own just inner peace and inner happiness. And, you know, you know, you send me pictures of you and your daughter and it filled my heart because that's, that's what you need. And that gives you the motivation to come out to Cincy, to come out to the open, you know, with a smile on your face with a little extra motivation. And again, a topic for another time, but it's, you know, it's nice that you had that opportunity. And again, you have to put those things, you know, even if I was playing a tournament and I really had to be somewhere, 
you know, it's important. It's important to go. It's important to show up because you may not remember that tournament a few years from now, but you'll remember the birthday. Yeah, and uh, and ours was great. She is. Uh, I want to also shout out to Amanda Pruitt, longtime sports media person within the sport, who did for me for her birthday a portrait of Super Marnie, um, my daughter as a superhero. So I'm I'm very excited about that. But um, that's not what you came for. Uh, maybe it is. I don't really know. But um, you know, one of the things we often talk about is just in terms of the happiness, the mental health aspect of this sport. Uh, the greatest feeling for a lot of these athletes, Noah included, although it's, you know, it's rare for Noah nowadays. <laughs> the greatest feeling is to is to win a match um, on court, whether it be first round. Sometimes, obviously, those finals mean a little bit more. What is it like actually winning a match, especially if you have a day off? You know, and this goes into the deeper topic of self worth and a lot of players put this self-worth solely in the hands of did i win or did i lose and with that you're putting extremes amount of you know extreme pressure on yourself to come out the victor and if you didn't 99 percent of the time you're so unhappy with yourself and not proud and you're waiting until the next week to get that win get that w and it's a very difficult you know, process. It's an ever winding clock that it just keeps ticking. I mean, this is something that we deal with on a daily basis. So there is that feeling, you know, and especially at a, a larger tournament when you do have a day off after. So you win your match, whether it's first, second, whatever it is, you win your match. You know, you have a day off the next day. Then those, those hours right after your match, before your day off, the night before your day off, there is this feeling of content that you did what you were supposed to do you your self-worth is at an all-time high because now around the people you love around competitors around everybody you're a winner you know Mm. people don't remember last week they remember what happened today or yesterday and if you are now at dinner with your friends and around them and you're talking to your parents and all of this regardless of you know how much they care about your tennis, you know, the wins and losses, there's just a different morale within yourself, within the people around you. And that's, you know, you can't put a price on that. So it's this feeling that I'm actually proud of myself. I get to relax for a quick second, enjoy my win and understand that I, I did what I was supposed to do. I, I won my match and I can relax. And, you know, we don't get that in tennis too often. I speak about in other sports like a basketball where, you know, you you play the you know the away game and you win it. You won your match. You won your game. That's it. In tennis, you win your match and you already have. I mean, I, I don't want to call it anxiety necessarily, but you have this cloud above you that I have to now prepare. I have to get my body ready. I have to do this. There is almost no celebration. There is no. There's like full relapse from the win, and you have to get ready and prepare yourself for the next match. And you know, I don't know if I'm describing it perfectly. But it is a very, it's an ongoing, tough feeling to deal with when you can't enjoy the wins. And then that's when you're putting, you know, and then when you have a loss, especially early in the week, you're just waiting until the next week to have an opportunity to win. And it's, again, it's ongoing, it's everlasting, and it's it's a big problem in tennis right now. Something I talked about with a player actually today, it feels like how you're describing it. It's like drugs. And I don't say that lightly. It feels like the adrenaline of it 
it, you are addicted to it, that need for validation. Um, and, and when you don't have it, then you're in this hangover withdrawal symptom. Um, and and it, it really, everything the way you describe it makes me think of addiction. You know, you're actually almost 100% right. And it's so <laughs> scary to think about it, especially when you put it in those terms. But tennis is such a judgmental sport. You walk around that player's lounge after a win, that's it. You're somebody. But if you're still there, and this is why sometimes, for the most part, you can ask my father, you can ask my mom, my girlfriend, you you can ask them. I won't go back to places that I lost because I know, mm. I know the eyes I get. I know like the passive aggressive. Oh, it's okay. Don't worry. There's next week or whatever you get, and and it's constant. But I also know the times when I win the matches, and you're like, oh, you know, I'll stay an extra thirty minutes here, get it a smoothie or something. Because I want to, you know, I want somebody to come up and say, you know what, Noah, you know, congrats, or you know, how'd you do? And I say, I won. Congrats, Noah. That's great. And it is. It's almost getting that fix. You need that fix of it, and it's because, you know, it's such a tough sport to find the ins and outs of success in other ways when it is such a, you know, black and white. You won or you lost. So to find the joy in the journey, yes. You know, we all say it, but it's definitely easier said than done. And, you know, you know, I had the uh, behind the racket with uh, Bethany Maddox Sands. And she said it, you know, pretty well, actually, when she said that, you know, it's shocking that in a sport that we lose every week, losers don't really get a platform to speak. You know, winners, you know, they, they say whatever they want. They get all the interviews. They get the press. And this is something I was, you know. When I qualified and lost to Jay Clark, I was like, you know, if I won that match, the platform I would have gotten for behind the racket and myself. I mean, these are the things that go into your head because and the podcast, damn it, and the podcast, of course, <laughs> it's all under the same umbrella, you narcissist. <laughs> but you know, this is the stuff you think about. You you go in and you're like, yeah, you know, qualifying, I gave myself a platform, but then there's the step above. And, you know, she said it really well. And, and, it, and it dawned on me like, yes, of course. We almost, you know, crucify people for losing matches when it's something that happens every week and should, should be spoken about. Like, okay, you lost today. That's, that's fine and all, but it happens every week. So talk to us. Like, well, how do you feel? But it just doesn't happen today. It really doesn't. And, you know, I think it, it weighs on us and it drains us to a point where, you know, we are looking for that validation. In working with therapists myself in my life, one of the having had like four or five different therapists, one thing that is universal for all of them is the idea that you should eliminate. And I just said the word that I'm about to say, you should eliminate the shoulds. You should eliminate the supposed to. Uh, the eliminate the have tos yes. from your vocabulary. It's something you use to say if you win, that's what you're supposed to do. How do you get rid of that idea in the sport of tennis when winning is what you are supposed to do? Again, it's it's finding a joy in the world that you created for yourself. And I put it in my you know second behind the racket when I wanted to open up even a little bit more, and I said I understood that tennis didn't owe me anything. You know, that even though I worked hard, even though I put in the hours, I did everything I thought I was supposed to do, doesn't mean that I should, you know, hear game, set, match, Rubik. It doesn't. So I still have to find the love in the life I gave for myself. And honestly, this podcast, Behind the Racket, everything I'm doing 
is an added bonus, and I think all players should have something like this. Understanding that there is so much more to the world of just the wins and losses that you can enjoy traveling the world, that you can enjoy practice, that you can enjoy running down a ball like I do all the time, like, and then you can enjoy the outside ventures that you can create for yourself. And I think that's where it all comes from, and that's where your self-worth should come from is the effort you put into creating the life that you want. And the wins and losses, yeah, you know, the win would be nice, but again, it's not guaranteed just because you work your ass off, just because you're playing great tennis, especially in the world of tennis, you know, it doesn't always amount to a W. So you have to take what you can get out of it. You and Jamie Loeb last week, uh, who was our fantastic guest last week, um, talked about how difficult it is at the Open for you guys being from New York. And I wonder, after hearing you talk about the the supposed tos and what it feels like to be able to walk around uh, at, at a tournament after a win, I, I, it seems like it's amplified for you at, at your home slam, uh, not only American, but also New York. I mean, especially when I started out, it was brutal. So yeah. we had people that, you know, from my, you know, my community, my hometown, they're like, you know, we're so excited to watch you play. We heard so much about you. We finally get the opportunity. Lose first round of qualifying. They're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, these people think I can't hit a tennis ball for the life of me. Like I am the worst thing that ever has ever happened to the sport of tennis because this is all they see. This is all they know right. is this one loss. So you know what? It's very difficult when you have people that want you so badly to win, want you so badly to see how well you can perform in all of this. And then you come out with a loss and sometimes a bad loss, which my first main draw after I won Kalamazoo, I was after it was like 3-1 the first and I couldn't even see straight that hmm. I was just so nervous that was the first time I remember that I was so nervous I couldn't function as a human and I'm like I can only imagine what these people on the sidelines are thinking right now <laughs> that's all I was thinking I'm like just get me out of here I will give away all my prize money for you to just helicopter me out of here so I don't have to get oh it's okay Noah that that was you, you did fine like oh my god it kills it's like stabbing me in the chest but this is what we deal with. But I've gotten, you know, every year, you know, you have it in your head, but it doesn't always work as great as you think. But, you know, every year I progress to a point where I'm like, I know what it feels like after I've lost. So if that's the worst it's going to get, just go out and enjoy, especially with the mentality that I have now that I'm more concerned about how I'm feeling on the court, my happiness, um, you know, just how I'm enjoying every point and running around chasing the ball. We get an the opportunity. Flip side, the flip side of that, though, Noah, is the fact that if, yeah, if you're having to kind of reset on the losing side, you also have to reset on the winning side. You can't have that idea of strutting around how proud you are after a win because the, the same is true. I mean, you've everything right, you else can't have is two extremes. Same. Correct. And, and, and I understand that. Um, again, we have to. Because it's not going to take one one person changing the mentality is not going to work. This has to be an ongoing effort by many people because, um, you know, and it's easy. You know, I, I feel that at times I do it very – I'm a good winner, <laughs> you know, at times mm -hmm. I feel this where I don't need to talk about tennis when I'm doing well because I have that feeling inside of me, that almost innate feeling of some, some sort that I'm I'm doing something well. I'm doing my job well. It's when the losses come into play that I find it so incredibly difficult. But again, we do have to change this idea, this notion that 
yeah, you're much better than I am because you won an extra match than I did this week. You know, that's the idea we have to change. And, you know, it has to get to a point where people just don't give a shit. You know, that kind of idea yeah. that, you know, okay, you won a match. I don't care. I won more matches than you did last week. And it evens out in the end. And nobody cares. We have to understand that nobody cares. And, you know, it's a tough place to get to. But it's honestly, this is like a hand-in-hand thing that we have to change the mentality of tennis players. But, you know, the individual aspect, the countless matches, the long seasons, it's tough. You want to find that joy. You want to find that euphoria, that feeling, because I know it. I mean, I have times where, again, after a win, that night of, and I have a day off the next day, I'm watching Netflix, and I catch myself smiling. (laughs) Not because of the dumb show i'm watching on netflix is because like wow you know combined with the the interviews and behind the racket and podcasts that i did i also did my job of tennis and people don't have to say all the thousand things they want to say about me and you know also that feeling inside of me that you know everything i've put through my whole life it paid off today you know i did what i had to do and you know i don't have to look on twitter and see the hate mail and i don't have to see people on instagram saying well he's wasting time doing podcasts and all this and he should be focusing on tennis so you know this is the stuff that we deal with and again it's we we're talking about tennis in this case but i i know people can relate to this in the outside world i know in the office place is the same thing i've spoken to people all around and you know i spoke to my girlfriend when you know people get a 90 on their test and you know they want to be kind of cool about it and everything and people are failing they're like oh it's okay don't worry about it you know i just i got lucky on this test but you know it's you know that passive aggressiveness yes. right. and it burns inside so again it's it's a culture that has to change a culture that let's pride people let's let's you know celebrate people that are just working hard and enjoying it you know and that that you know it's that's easier said than done easy uh, I did an interview today with Dennis Kudla, and he brought up one other idea when it comes to the winning. And we've talked a little bit more about the mental health side, but he said one of the other things that he's experienced and he's seen other players experience is the fact that when you're winning and you have a good couple of weeks, even if you're, you know, quarters, semifinals, you feel like you can't do anything wrong and you get complacent on top of it. Maybe you aren't taking care of some of the small things that you that have been getting you to that spot but you've just kind of lost it because you feel like nothing can go wrong. He's 100% correct. I have like a little wave pattern that I've noticed. And right after I'm doing well for a couple weeks, I'll be extremely professional. Like go (laughs) above and beyond. I'll be aggressive. I'll do extra stretching. I'll do everything because now I feel like I belong. And then there's going to be a point, you know, a couple days after that where it's like, you know, if I miss this one warm up, it's okay because I'm winning so many matches. So this one warm up probably won't affect me that much. And obviously that's a domino effect and it spreads to two warm ups or a cool down or whatever. And then it affects you. And then, you know, like Kula said, the ranking can drop like this, like in the world of tennis, everything moves so fast and it's a problem. You almost forget when things were going wrong. And it's the same idea when, I don't know, bringing up a toothache. I don't know why a toothache popped into my head. I haven't had a toothache in my life, but (laughs) (laughs) it's like you you have a toothache and then the toothache goes away and you don't even remember what it felt like to have that toothache and to deal with that pain. And now you take it for granted dealing without that pain. You know, it's that whole deal. So when you're winning, everything's going well. You forgot what it was like to lose a match. But then it hits you. Then you lose one match. Then you're you're like double, 
you know, you double think and you're like, wait, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? And then that's where dominoes and spreads. Well, I know a lot of people are going to be looking forward to seeing you in U.S. Open Qualies um, next week. Yes. Um, how, how do you implement some of these ideas into the preparation for what has been for you a difficult week in years past? Yeah. Again, I think understanding that I may that I you know got out of I got out alive. You know, of even the worst case scenarios that took place at the Open, I got out alive. So let's enjoy just a little bit more. Let's enjoy tiny aspects of it because, again, you know, there's some things with the Open. This is nothing against the people that organize it, but it's a stressful tournament for even non-Americans. It's it's crowded. It's busy. You know, the players' lounge gets congested a lot when there's – especially when it's raining. There's a lot that goes on. So don't even think about it. Enjoy little parts of it. And, you know – I get to play in front of my home crowd and like think about it as a, as a kid. I mean, this is what I grew up wishing I was doing and now I have the opportunity. So don't take it for granted. And, you know, I'm going to share a piece of advice I got from actually one of my friend's parents who's a doctor. I've been working with him um, to try to figure out ways of my cramping that I've been dealing with. As you yeah. know, that's been honestly one of the biggest struggles of my career so far, um, which has put a damper on my happiness. But you know, he said something that, you know, resonated with me just in the way he said it. He's like, you know, when I do surgery, I know I'm going to do my best. There's no doubt in my mind that I prepare. And when I get to it, I'm going to do my best. So I can't, you know, I can't fret on the things that I could possibly do wrong because this is it. It's in my hands. I'm going to do my best. That's all. That's all I can ask for. And some, for some reason, that resonated with me on such a level that I was like, of course, why wouldn't I do my best? I always step on the court and do my best. That doesn't mean I couldn't lose to my grandmother, but right. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. She's very talented, though. Oh, with her glove on, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, still yeah. has a glove on, which I don't know why. Why would she have a glove on? <laughs> it should be well, illegal. Back in, back, no, back in back in our days, since I'm the same age, I mean, you just the the grip was like somehow it was, it was sandpaper. Right. Yeah. Um, she, <laughs> so you know, so you could have had a good stickiness on it. Yeah. So she still thinks the rackets are made out of like granite. Like the the it's like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it, it just it was just this idea that I'm going to step on the court. I'm going to do my best. That is a given. I am going to do my best. So who the hell cares what happens after that? If I'm going to put every effort that I have into it, that's it. Just go for it. And for some reason, it hit me. You know, obviously, you know, some things hit differently in certain ways, just how they're, you know, said to you. And and I'm going to take that with me. I'm going to use it. I get to spend uh, approximately 28 hours at U.S. Open Qualies. I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> um for, for reasons, I have have you discussed it at all? Yeah, you discussed it. Ted Koppel doing the story for CBS Sunday Morning. Uh, Ted, Ted's asked me to come to New York to, to talk with him as well for U.S. Open Qualies. I'm actually pretty excited, mostly not because I would like to watch your match uh, if it happens to be scheduled during that time. I'm very excited to meet uh, your friend Max, uh, who I've been texting with for a good solid year now, as of apparently yesterday. Uh, as well as your girlfriend, Jamie. Um, although after you posted a, f a particular photo on Instagram um, over the last couple of days, I don't know that I'm going to be able to look her uh, look at her the same way. Uh, so now I'm uncomfortable. Um, right. And we did that solely so you could be uncomfortable. 
but I don't know right. if you're prepared for either of them. And, and no. definitely not together, and definitely not all three of us. Right. Um, and, I'm, so it's going to be this weird dichotomy of Ted Koppel, <laughs> newsman who I've looked up to all my life, legendary journalist, and then these two people. Right. Max and, and Jamie. Yeah, I'm it's just a lot. Like, are you sure yeah. Ted Koppel didn't text the wrong person, by the way? I wanted to ask you about that. You know, there are a lot of Mike C. Tennises in the world. <laughs> um. I just wanted to, you know, I was going to shoot a text out to CBS and say, are, are you guys sure? <laughs> you guys, wow. I just, you know, the, the big thing for me, and I, I know you've this has been something you've had in the pipes and, and working with them for a while, but I, I, I want to make sure that I do from my perspective, especially with the USTA, the ATP, to give a good understanding from my perspective viewpoint of, of what challenger players have gone through over the last couple of years, the incredible determination, um, hard work that most players put in. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And the bonus honestly being that I don't get to go to qualies all, all that often. It's a big deal for me just again, because so many of these guys who I'm lucky enough to watch week in week out, seeing that reward right there, um, it's it's a big deal for me too, so I'm I'm really excited. And if you ask nicely, I'm sure Max and Jamie would buy you a honeydew. <laughs> that's, that's all I want <laughs> in life, really. I'm in Cincinnati this week. I'm really excited about being here in Cincinnati. I'm not going to be able to do any of our podcast interviews this week. I'm doing work for ATP Radio, um, so I'll be doing some interviews with players, coaches all week long, which is very exciting for me. Uh, a lot of it is catching up with players who have come through the challenger ranks over the last five years and now doing very well. Um, so it's kind of like a old home week that I get to catch up with a lot of these guys. It's very exciting for me. So I do give a plug here to um, ATP Radio. You can find them at TuneIn. Um, uh, the TuneIn app, um, wherever you want to go to find the ATP radio. There will be some fun interviews, I think, through the week. And, uh, yeah, it's so exciting as well here in Cincinnati. There was a buzz today as I was on site about Andy Murray being back on the single side. Um, and it is, it's palpable. Like, the, just the feeling of fans wanting to catch a glimpse of Andy Murray like he's been dead. Right. Literally dead. <laughs> yeah, he's coming back alive. Uh, again, like this whole self-worth of playing tennis. But Right, right. <laughs> But at the same time, um, you know, it's super nice to have him back. And for you to be out there at a tournament like this, it's great for us. It's great for you seeing people you know and don't and just getting out there. I think it's perfect. And you'll be missed. You'll be missed by me. Um, hopefully send me some selfies. Um, yeah, I'm going to try to do it in a more appropriate fashion this week. Um, you just never know when I'm going to send you at Friday night at 1130. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, you know, it gets rowdy sometimes. So that's the podcast for this week. <clears throat> as you play with your dongle, that's a no. That's what that thing's called. That's in your hand right now. It's a dongle. It's a computer term. I wish I found somebody else for this podcast. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. As always, you can get in touch with him at NoahRubin33. I'm at Mike C. Tennis. Would love to hear your thoughts and maybe some podcast topics that you'd like for us to discuss over the next couple of weeks. And I promised an announcement this week. We'll get to it next week. I, I do promise that. Next week, we will have the big announcement for the show. But for now, for Noah Rubin, I'm Mike Cation signing off. You've been listening to The Coffee Cast with Cation and Rubin, powered by Behind the Racket.